Uh oh. <laughs> okay, let's bring David in. And here we go. Very excited to have uh, another episode of Riders Up for you today. David Cohen's going to be joining uh, myself and Brian. And if you have not been uh, hanging out with us for these episodes of Riders Up, these are really cool because what we're doing is we're getting an opportunity to really meet a lot of these riders that we just don't hear very much from. Uh, someone like David Cohen, I'm sure we've all seen that name in the past performances many times. I mean, David has been on over 10,700 horses. He has over 1,500 wins, coming up on 1,600 wins through the years. This is a gentleman who has been at basically every big racetrack around the country. I mean, we and we got to expand beyond the country when we talk about David Cohen. He has been uh, the pilot for some of the biggest races in the world, winning those races in the winner's circle there. So we're going to have a lot to talk about with David Cohen. David, thank you so much for taking some time out today. How are you doing? Doing everything good. Blessed. So we were going through some of those numbers for you, David. I mean, you're uh, you're coming up on 1,600 wins right now, which is really incredible. Um, just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey. You know, um, I'm someone who's in Southern California, so I remember right when you, you came in and you were um, very, very successful from, from, you know, the beginning right away. You were, uh, you were in the winner's circle. You were doing great things. Tell us about, you know, how do you become a jockey? How did you get into horse racing? Um, how did it all start for you? Well, my, my introduction into the sport, my father was a breeder and owner and that's basically, uh, what got my foot in the door. I started off from the bottom, uh, grooming horses, hot walking them. Uh, learning all the feed, the medication, just worked my way up to, to riding them. Um, was an athlete growing up. And so that seemed like the, the logical uh, spot for me to go. And uh, the first time I was ever on a horse was breaking babies. So they, they more, they broke me more than I. <laughs> for sure. you, you had a good start. I was going to say, when you can do that, you can almost do anything, right? Yeah. When you can handle those horses right away, when they're not sure what they're doing. The other ones that get a little bit more mature and they got a better mind on them, it feels like, oh wow, I've been doing, I've been doing this. For, uh, so, so now with that, I, I've got to, I've got to step in and ask one real early then. So, since your, your father was a, a breeder and owner, did did he get you into it so he could yell at you more, or was he getting bad rides and wanted to at least be able to get his hands on you <laughs> if, if there was a bad ride? <laughs> no, that's funny. Night. No, he, I think he was pretty blessed with the with the riders that uh he had on his horses he was very successful um you know for me it was really wasn't sure where i was going to take my career um really liked the bloodstock uh agent part maybe being a trainer um but again once i got into the athletic part of it and riding horses i knew that's what i wanted to set my eyes on so david you know let's let's talk a little bit about the journey that you've been on um you know around uh, the U S and, and where you started out riding. So tell us a little bit about like where you decided that you, you make that decision, right? You're kind of picking, am I going to do bloodstock? Am I going to be a jock? So you decided you're going to be a jock. You're going to go all in. How did you decide where do you want to start? How do you want to get involved? Or, you know, who are some of the people that maybe said, okay, Hey, if you come out here, we'll put you on some horses. How did it all you know, kind of get going for you? Well, naturally growing up in Southern California, my father, um, having horses there for 35 years running at uh, Del Mar, Santa Anita, Hollywood Park. Um, that was my natural place to start. Um, I was fortunate to have uh, 
not only his support, um, but uh, everyone else that I knew growing up. Um, and, and really to back up what, what got me into deciding the, the jockey part of the, the game, um, again, blessed enough to have Lafitte Pinkai Jr. as uh, a friend wow. and family member of, uh, you know, people that I knew uh, at a young age, and he rode for my father. And he was very uh, instrumental in me becoming a jockey based on dieting, um, supplements, what vitamins to take, what type of exercise to do. And, you know, I remember it uh, very well. This is going back to probably 2002. I was an assistant trainer for my father's horses with about 40 head at, at Del Mar. Um, at this point, I was just learning to break horses out of the gate. I think uh, it was like three quarters out of the gate with four or five other horses. And, and mine, you know, came from off the pace and won the, the workout, you know, very, very well. I came back bug-eyed and just said, I knew at this point, <laughs> that's it. Um, I know what I need to do. Yep. And Lafitte told me that you, no more galloping, um, no running, just purely uh, all you can do is, is work in horses power walking, um, gave me a list of things to do. And, and, you know, over the past 20 years of racing now, that's probably what stuck with me and, and helped me, uh, uh, stay conditioned and keep my, my weight under control. Uh, like, honestly, if there's any, per like, who better to give you advice than that, right? Nobody, I mean, nobody. nobody. <laughs> you walk into a room and that person is helping you out and you have to listen. Yeah. You have to, like, if you're not going to take their advice, what are you even doing in this sport, right? So just an incredible way for you to learn. And just like you said, the it's amazing because some of the things that I do in broadcasting, which, you know, are things that I learned from people 30 years ago at the very beginning, and they stick with you. And it's the things that work, right? And you know then that those are important. And so that's incredible. Kind of gives me goosebumps hearing that, you know, you learn from the absolute best at such a young age. Yeah, like, how, how cool is that? And yeah. that's yeah, you know, exactly like you say, and, and, and I use the word blessed, and, and it truly was, you know, we'd sit down on uh, an equisizer and watch old films and, and ride them and, and learn that way as well. And, and then when I was a bug boy, you know, we're talking the, the glory days of Southern California. We were just talking with uh, William Anton Georgie a little bit last week about it, and there was probably a little crossover there for some of the same people in the room, like all those Hall of Famers when he kind of started in, too. Exactly. I mean, it, it was the, the who's who and, and not just the room of a couple Hall of Famers, but, you know, probably go 10, 15 deep. So, so I was lucky enough to to have and they could be hard at times, which, you know, I, I may be that way for a bug bug boy now. But sure. um, and, and duly uh, uh, probably, uh, you know, deserved, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, I, I was blessed to come up and, and with so much help. Um, and support on and off the track, in and outside the jockey's room. And um, that, that that's something that's definitely helped me out through my career. So, David, you were talking a little bit about some of the advice that Lafitte had given you. What nowadays, what's a normal day like for you schedule-wise? Let's say it's a day that you have, you know, four or five mounts, uh, racing mounts. What's the morning like for you? Do you still get out there? And are how many horses are you getting on? Or what kind of workout are you like? You don't want to get too big. Maybe you don't want to do too much. Just kind of curious, what's a, a day like in the life of David Cohen when he's got four or five mounts later in the day? 
Yeah, well, it could all vary as far as morning goes, depending on uh, what what your supporters, as far as trainers, what they have going on. But uh, mm -hmm. just to give like a, an idea, the past few mornings at Oaklawn Park, I'd work a couple early for Steve Asmussen and then uh, work a couple more for Robertino Diodoro and uh, go home, relax for a little bit, um, take care of family, dogs, uh, just, you know, recharge the battery. Um, I like to go to the track early, get in the hot box and, and stretch out. And regardless if I have to uh, cut weight or not, I like to go in there and just keep that routine. Um, and when it comes to riding, you know, you're, you're really as fit as you can be with that. Getting yeah. in the gym and running and all that isn't going to keep you fit and isn't going to get your race fit. Um, yeah. Kind of the same thing like the horses. You can work them as much as you want in the morning until they race. They're not race fit, right? Um, so my off days more so consistent consist of recharging the batteries. Um, I may uh, have to work in the morning, depending on, again, schedule of other people. And then obviously the time of the year during the summer, you get to do a little more uh, here at Oakland during the winter. Uh, you don't have the, the opportunity to get on the lake as much as you would or go fishing or golfing or whatever uh, your, your hobbies are. So we've been talking uh, about your journey. Now let's discuss some of your uh, the big moments for you. There are a couple that come to mind immediately for me, and I think for uh, anyone sort of looking at your resume, uh, the names that that jump out for me would be Proud Tower Two and Golden Ticket. I'd imagine those horses hold a very special place in your heart uh, still to this day. Let's talk a little bit about Proud Tower Two first because. I think that was probably one of the first big horses that kind of put you on like a, a national, even global spotlight. I mean, we're talking about the Dubai Golden Shaheen here. We're talking about one of the biggest races in the world with Proud Tower 2. Tell us a little bit about how that started. How would you you know, you get aboard Proud Tower 2 and a little bit about the journey with him? Yeah, well, he, he that story is actually that there's so many uh, mini stories in him. <laughs> so... I was riding quite a bit for Sal Gonzalez, Tricar Stables, a bug boy, uh, and, and doing extremely well with them. And Patrick Valenzuela actually rode Proud Tower 2 uh, in an allowance race uh, the time before uh, I rode him first out uh, at Hollywood Park. I forget what stakes race it was, but um, P-Val jumped off of him to, to ride something else, I think the favorite, and they gave me the opportunity. Um, and made the most of it, was lucky enough to, to get the win that day. And coincidentally, that was, I won some, some stakes at Pomona Park earlier, and, and maybe I was riding seven, eight months at this time. But for me, the trainer, owner, and horse, that was our first stakes win at a, a major racetrack. So you'd awesome. say, Hell, Hollywood Park, Vita, whatever it may be. Um, and then you transfer into... The Malibu grade one. Yeah. We end up winning that. So now it's our first grade one altogether. What right? a cool experience as a team, right? To experience together. Exactly. And uh, you know, I was blessed enough to to take my father to Dubai with me. Wow. He had a very successful uh, career with all his horses and uh never had the opportunity to go. So to be able to share that experience with him. Um it's awesome. And to go there and, and be successful and be blessed enough to, to have your horse perform at, at such a high level and, and to win on an international 
stage. Uh, again, the whole team and the whole crew doing it first time out together. Uh, it, it, it's really meant a lot. So it, that horse has been a huge staple in my career. And, and for me to be able to have that so early on, um, whether it was like six months after losing my apprenticeship, uh, was just truly amazing. And then would have never thought that I would have that, that lucky and fortunate, uh, not just to have the opportunity and, and them to, to, to trust me with that type yeah. of, um, but to go all the way and trust me on a, on an international level as well. And what's amazing is you mentioned going over there, bringing your dad over. Um, what's kind of funny is I can still, to this day, I was watching you with my dad at the racetrack at Santa Anita playing, playing you. I think we had to pick threes and we were screaming for you. Cause you know, we're Southern California guys. So we're always rooting for those horses. We used to go out and play the races early in the morning and, and sit in the corner on the Dubai days and watch. So I love that that's racing is such a family thing. You know, you're halfway across the world, you know, with your dad and I'm here rooting for you with my dad, you know, the same way. So it's just really cool to, to know that um, on some level, most of us that get into racing, we get, got into it because of our family, right. You know, and, and, yep. you know, even to this day, um, you know, I know Brian is, when we have our Mohawk Mondays and Thursdays, Brian's playing over with his dad, you know, the pick fours and pick fives that we have and stuff. So it's really cool on, on every level to see how much family, you know. Yeah. And David, let me ask you again. Did you say you rode that horse its first time out? And then when it went into the allowance companies, when P-Val jumped on board? Well, not, not his first time out, but what I believe. First at Hollywood, right? First at Hollywood, I think the first time that I rode him, I forget what stake race it was, um, but I was working him, and I th I knew they knew P Val was probably going to jump off the horse from his allowance win with gotcha. P Val mm -hmm. to the to the stake race. So um, you weren't on him before P Val, you just you no, went on after only no yeah, I it, after, and I and I was riding quite heavily and winning for the owner and trainer. Um, and I believe I just lost my bug or may have still had my bug. I can't remember when I first rode yeah. him. Um, so they, they were, you know, definitely trusted me pretty good. And even though he was 20 to one first time when I rode him, um, we still thought pretty heavily of him. And I think P Val's horse ran second in that race. So it felt pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> they, they felt vindicated. Always feels good. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I was going to ask, I guess where I was going with that is, you know, a lot of young riders, you know, they have the situation where they get on a horse early in its career and then it starts showing some promise and it gets into one of these bigger races such as the Malibu or, you know, on the Derby trail or something. And these guys get, get taken off for, for bigger name riders. Has that ever happened to you? And, and, and if so, like, like, got, like walk me through your thoughts about it. Well, you know, it's natural. And, that, and that's kind of why I said I was so blessed for them mm -hmm. to, to stick with you because obviously loyalty in life is thin and, and it gets even thinner when it gets to this game and, and um, as a jockey. And I, and I don't blame owners. You want to get, when you realize you have a serious horse, you want to get as much experience as you can. We all cost the same amount of money, right? So why not go for what you think is the best for you and, and your situation? Um, and it's funny because now you're, sometimes you're that guy now. Right now, you're the veteran that sometimes people can kind of actually go to if they need a really seasoned rider. So it is funny how the like the roles change a little bit sometimes. 
Correct. I mean, and I've been pretty fortunate. Um, I, there's no really one that sticks out to me. I'm sure it's happened many times, but no real big horse that um, I had or won on very early. Uh, and, and normally it's a process. You may do good on them. And then, you know, once you stop winning or they start running good um, or you stop getting lucky for the connections, it, it always, you know, people start going certain ways and, and trying to switch things up yeah, naturally. Yeah. Right. Uh, so as long as it keeps working um, and you're and you're pretty lucky with the, the supporters, owners, trainers you ride for, uh, you, sh you really don't have to worry about that. Um, but it is a big thing. And um, but but one thing that that was pretty interesting with Proud Tower, too, that had a lot to do with Golden Ticket as well was. I suggested a equipment change on Proud Tower, too. He's a very big horse, right? And he was running. He was just a allowance horse for quite some time. I mean, it wasn't early. Not like he just turned into this stake horse uh, early on in his career. Um, so what I did was he he would run and stick his neck out and really just be uh, strong with the bit and not using his uh, rear end to really push off. So what we did was we put a neck strap on him, which isn't connected to the saddle just goes around the neck and you make that real tight and you basically let go of the mouth and you pull on that and that makes the horse utilize their body and they're more so now pushing with their chest opposed to sticking their neck out and not using their ass end right and gotcha. coincidentally enough we did that i i recommended that to to kenny uh mcpeak for golden ticket about three days before the travers and same thing let go of his mouth utilize that neck strap and i think kenny's been putting that on his horses since 2012 i actually after that race um funny enough we couldn't find one so what we had to do was day of the trip we had to take a martingale which has the neck strap but has that extra piece that's connected to the girth we ended up cutting that off of one in the morning that he had and just using the neck strap. So after that, and we, we won the race, um, I ended up buying like six of them and, and give them <laughs> as a little present with the wink on it. Yeah. You always want to have one of those in, uh, in the back, just in case you need one, right? You always want to have one of those around. Um, that's incredible. And that was a great transition over to golden ticket who we're just going to ask you about before. I mean, you win the Travers in a, a really incredible, cool dead heat where you were one of the longest shots in the field. Um, I think like 35 to one. And just tell us a little bit about that. I mean, now we're talking to you about two of literally the 10 biggest races in the entire world, maybe even less that you've been aboard the winners of. Uh, so what was that like? I mean, it, for the U S racing, it's like triple crown races and the Travers. I mean, it's right there. It's, equally as as you know as um lucrative it's equally as important it's such a big deal that had to be an incredible feeling an incredible moment i'm sorry gina you were cutting out that started baffling on us again oh, no problem uh yeah we were just that, talking about the you know, yeah start back over the transitioning to to yeah the, from from golden ticket you it was, it was perfect as you started talking about him because that feeling 
it, it probably was a little different. Was it a little different with Golden Ticket or like what what was your confidence level going into that race with a big long shot? You know, he was 30 to one, one of the longer shots in the field. How confident did you feel? Were you sort of surprised? You know, what what's the difference like with with that win versus a win with Proud Tower 2, both in huge races, like t- biggest races in the world? Well, I think early, you know, early on with Proud Tower 2, I, I don't want to say I didn't know what a great horse was and what it felt like. But by the time, you know, I ride Golden Ticket six years later, at this point, I, I have sat on quite a bit, a few good ones and know a, a, a runner um, and, and able to recognize it very early on right Mm -hmm. so when i i I worked them a couple times for kenny and and crazy enough um not many people know this part of it he was eligible for a non-winners of one and he was going to actually run them in an allowance race and enter them that day uh, or the day prior to the travers and he told the owner you know hey this horse been training great and you know david's loving him and you know really really high on the horse um, you know, what do you think about, you know, giving him a shot? And the owner was an ex-football uh, player and was a quarterback. And he said, you know, I'm all for the Hail Marys, basically. So why not, you know, and leave it up to Kenny. He knows what he's doing, obviously, right? And uh, that's, you know, leading up to the Travers, the first three days, the last three days of the uh, his training, I got on him every morning. And that's when... I started to feel that neck strap for, I mean, very strong, uh, tough horse. Um, so the second day I galloped him, I tightened up that neck strap and he relaxed well and he got off the bit. And I said, you know what, this may be a key of switching them around because that's what he was doing in the races was getting real tough and, and not finishing up. Um, but for, for me to be able to, perform i mean that's obviously the mid midsummer derby the biggest race if you want to say you want to win one race at at saratoga that's the race right and crazy enough obviously i would have loved to to win it and not share uh, the purse money Um, but i think it makes it that much more special um to be able to share dead heat it's probably it's the only one in the traverse history yeah it's a cooler story right it's we, we probably wouldn't be talking about it right now and uh, to be able to share it with, uh, you know, my good friend Ramon Dominguez and, and be able to be a part of that with uh, Godolphin Stable and Kieran McLaughlin, it was a pretty neat group and, and blessed to be a part of it with them. Yeah. So, David, you've been, again, all over the world riding um, and especially North America. What are some of your favorite tracks to ride at? Uh, easily. Saratoga, Oakland Park, without a doubt. Uh, Del Mar. I'm partial to Santa Anita growing up, um, loved their backdrop, really never knew how lucky I was growing up in Santa Anita. Yeah. You know, you know, I was told about, you know, the beautiful background and the mountains, but until you really travel um, and really see the difference, you, you realize why Del Mar and, and uh, Santa Anita are so beautiful. Um, but I think between those four, five uh, racetracks, Belmont Park is another beautiful one to be at. Uh, I enjoy the history and I enjoy uh, when the fans show out and, and come out and support racing. And, and uh, they definitely show up at all these racetracks I mentioned. 
Yeah, you mentioned Santa Anita. My grandfather, he he's the one that kind of introduced me and my family into the game. And, uh, you know, he was riding out in Santa Anita. He started off in Louisiana when he was 14. But <laughs> he he got on with some people and, and got to, you know, experience some really cool things. And he, to this day, says Santa Anita is the prettiest racetrack you'll ever find anywhere. Yeah. I think that that combination of everything they have, I love their their paddock, love the double inside outside paddock, the tunnel, um, just there, like you said, everything around it. And and it's very nostalgic for me and sentimental. That's where I grew up going all the time with my father. Um, you know, that that deli carved turkey sandwiches are probably the best food you could find at any one that sourdough roll, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Y'all making me hungry now. <laughs> well, <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That's and that's home. That's home for me, uh, David. My mom and dad met each other at Santa Anita. My mom sold the digest out front, and I grew up my whole life five minutes away. So that's still uh, that's still home track for me. So love uh, love the Santa Anita experience too. There's very few like it with that backdrop, with the beautiful mountains there on a on a nice warm clear day. The uh, the look is is incredible. So we're talking tracks now of the current riders out there of the current crop. Let's say it's a big race. You're turning for home, and you look down to the inside. Who do you sort of not want to be there? Who who is a really good rider that's a good finisher that you go, uh oh, I know I'm going to be in tough if I turn for home and they're right next to me. Give us some of the the riders right now out there that you really admire that you think are doing a great job. Well, I think it it it's pretty evident to see who who's a strong finisher. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it is horse racing, so I think you as a rider that you know, you ride with the, the higher end, uh, uh, jockey colony, um, doesn't really matter who's on what, um, <laughs> you, you got to worry about what horse it is and what it is. But I, I th there's numerous riders that are strong finishers and, but at the end of the day, doesn't matter how strong you are, uh, that horse has to pick up their feet and, and they have to do the job. Got to give them a good ride. Got to put them in the right place at the right time, no matter what. We're so lucky to be here talking with David Cohen, who has ridden so many races at so many racetracks. He's coming up on 1,600 wins. And don't slouch on those almost 1,500 seconds and almost 1,500 third-place finishes, too. This is a gentleman who has been aboard many, many very good horses. So yeah. let's get... Go ahead, Bio. I I got one one yeah, more one more horse I want to talk about because you're riding him currently, and well, not at this second, obviously, but uh, <laughs> he he's one of my favorites for many reasons. Um, I, I, Thomas hope, Shelby. I hope you say who I think it is. Thank you. Yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice. If you didn't mention him, I'd I'd have to question you. There we go. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, good. I, I love this horse, man. Just it, it seems like he's one that just runs his eyeballs out for you every single time he hits the track. It doesn't matter what it's for. He he's always going to be in the mix. Plus, he's named after probably one of the coolest TV characters uh, in all time in Thomas Shelby. So, tell us a little bit about what you think about him. Yeah. So funny enough, obviously, I'm I'm a huge Peaky Blinders fan, right from the very beginning. Didn't jump How on can the band. Amazing show. Now, I, I didn't come in five seasons late, right? So when <laughs> they first claimed this horse two years ago out of Saratoga, um, didn't really know nothing about it. Just came in. I seen um, my name next to his on the chart, and I said, Thomas, show, show, hold on. What? Who is this? <laughs> so I, I started, said, it. okay, this is <laughs> going to be a runner. 
we're going to be good, right? And uh, you're excited right away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, immediately. Oh, believe me, immediately, right? So, I think I probably even called my wife and I said, "Wait till you see who I'm on." You know, That's wait cool. till you see this man. That's great. Yeah. So, with him, it, it took uh, took him some time off, gave him some time to to get into uh, Diodoro's program, and sprinted him a couple times. Uh, obviously being a curlin, we, we figured, you know, let's go ahead and stretch him out and let him put his speed to, to work and uh, see how deadly he can be on the front end. And I think the first time we stretched him out at, at Oakland, uh, he proved just how deadly he could be. I think we went 45 and change, had uh, three different waves of horses pressuring him, and he went off the draw off by, I think, nine, ten lengths, whatever the, the number was. Um, and since then, he's never looked back. He just yep. keeps getting better, like you said. And what's nice about him is he's he's just like a real old school racehorse. Like he's fast, mm. but he can sit a little, but he's gonna go and he's gonna make you work. And he doesn't like you know, he like you're gonna have to earn it to beat him. You're gonna have to be yep. on your A game. That's what I just I love about him. We don't see very many horses quite like that nowadays that are just tough and that are like, hey, I'm fast, I'm gonna take it to you. You better be ready. Well, it's funny you use the word old school because that's exactly his style. It's that match race. Mm -hmm. You better pick it up. He's going to take you out of your element. Yep. And if you're not able to sustain that type of run uh, and you want to give him a little bit of a head start and not pressure him, uh, you just won't catch him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, jockeys know when, when I'm in the race with them, there is no questioning. You know what I'm doing. Um, I'm not going to back it down and walk the dog and go 49. Uh, no. You're going to have to go 47 and you're going to have to keep up. And that's really uh, his yeah. deadly I love, weapon. I love hearing you say that, you know, just as yep. a better and someone I know Brian does too. Like it's such a great mentality to have, you know, um, for, oh, yeah. yeah, you have to. That's awesome. Well, I hope I get to see and you and him up in Keeneland. No, without a doubt. I think he, he's already shown he likes there. Um, and, and what's great about him is like you said, he, he really is, not just getting better on paper, but physically he's growing. He, he's cut, he came out of the Razorback uh, extremely well. He's kicking and bucking uh, when he normally hasn't been. So he he's really just growing into himself, not just physically, but mentally. And I think his confidence is, is through the roof. So lucky to be talking with David Cohen here. I mean, we've been going through the list of uh, some of the all-time great horses that he's been on. Proud Tower 2, Golden Ticket, Special Relativity, Saginaw. We're just talking about Thomas Shelby. Keep me in mind. Won the Kentucky Jockey Club, Beneficial Bar Talk, Have At It, Hourglass, Dash Attack, Mr. Buff, Tenago. The list just goes on and on of just real quality horses. Tamarin Hall, Sailmate. Um, you can keep going. David has been on some excellent ones through the years. But David, now we want to get off the track a little bit and ask you some questions. If you weren't a jockey, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, would it, you think you would still be doing something in horse racing? Would it be bloodstock? Would it be something still with horses or animals? Uh, I think it'd be hard not to. Yeah, uh, I definitely, definitely like the, the breeding and the bloodstock uh, part to it. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's pretty hard to, to not see myself as a jockey. You know, early on, um, I said to myself, if it doesn't work out, at least I would have this experience and knowledge and be able to utilize that to transfer it into whether it was training or, or bloodstock or whatever it might be. Um, but 
as far as right now and, and for the foreseeable future, uh, this is what you'll see me be doing. Okay, you always, go ahead, yeah. I always talk, you know, I see some trainers coming back from like, you know, when I'm, when I was a kid, they were riding horses and now they've got into training and it always interests me because I feel like you guys have an opportunity to learn so much from so many different trainers and kind of piece mm -hmm. together what works and what doesn't. I'm always, I'm surprised we don't have more riders that turn into big time trainers and, you know, as the, as their career goes, but I guess there are some, I mean, like, I guess Steve used to ride and Baffert used to ride back in the day, like in that case, but it just so far since I've been a kid, there's never been that one that really took it to the next level, but I'm hoping to see that in the future. Maybe it's you. Yeah. You know, I definitely wouldn't count it out. You, you have to have, there's just so much that, that goes on into, to being a trainer. And, and I don't do anything in life that I can't do at the highest level. So it, it, that means it's very costly production to, to get set up as a trainer and done the right yeah. way. Um, but I think what you touched upon, me having the opportunity of, of working with uh, Todd Pletcher, Chad Brown, Suge McGahee, Frankel, Baffer, uh, um, just uh, so many greats in my, at a young age. Yeah, uh, Richard Mandela. I mean, I can go down the list. So, so you really pick up, like you said, you pick up what works, and it seems to be that same common denominator between all those uh, barns. They seem to do a lot in common. Some do things slightly different. Maybe when they get back to the barn, they have different strategies um, and ways of doing things. But they all seem to have that that same common denominator, and yeah. that's something that I apply um to horses whether it's in the afternoon or in the morning um and it seems to work cool awesome. so you mentioned peaky blinders is something you watch and, and love what what are some other tv shows or movies that you're into uh well let's see uh the vikings that that was a big mind of mine and i actually ended up riding a horse called ragnar lothbrook crazy enough nice. right so now i got shows that that i end up riding the main characters that's great um, that's great. Yeah, currently, obviously, Yellowstone. How can you not be? Oh, That's yeah. over with. Yeah. Um, 1883. That's a good awesome. one that we're, okay. we're doing. Yeah, so. Cool. Some good ones. Uh, so so if I want David to ride one of my horses, I need to name it after a, a TV you show need a character. Good, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Something that's going to lure him to you. A, a good creative name on one of the uh, characters of the show. We don't, we don't have any good enough horses to be riding down there at uh, Oakland. <laughs> not yet. 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 Well, We'll get Team BTV to get a couple, and we'll uh, we'll keep getting them up. <laughs> we'll get David aboard. So um, we're talking movies and shows. What about sports? Are you a sports fan, or any teams or sports that you watch other than uh, than horse racing? You know, I I enjoyed. I I I've gotten out of it so much. Uh, you know, your schedule so is so crazy. You know. Yeah, I enjoy everything, but I've never been a a, a big like fan of, of just one team you know i enjoy watching the athletes and, and things like that um hockey i was a big hockey fan uh cool. growing up a lot of hockey obviously uh, um I, I really like everything it doesn't really matter it could be motocross skiing could be ice skating could be really anything as long as it, it's you know entertaining and high quality now when you don't get very many days off the, the horse racing 
there's the year never stops, right? They move from one circuit to another, but it's not as if there's time off. If you did get time off or when you didn't get a chance to go on a vacation or something, where's a good vacation spot? Is there someone that you love to go with the family or a place that, you know, is on your bucket list that you would like to go that maybe you haven't been to? Well, I do like to travel and that's something me and my wife uh, uh, always take the chance when we can, Great. even if it's a paid vacation and, and you know, we have to buy spots or what, whatever I may go to ride. Um, we actually just left Cabo for, for uh, awesome. the Christmas we had here. Um, but again, you know, you, we don't get as much time out as we would like and, and the, the planned vacations are hard to do. Yeah. Because um, always coming up and, and rarely is that that break so anything we do is pretty spontaneous and just try to take advantage of, of any free time we have okay now this is a question that um for me i'm a big cheese fries guy that's my go-to all the time uh, i'm italian obviously so we've been getting pizza as a as one that's popped up when we've asked the riders cheat meals for you or something when you can really um you can really let loose or a celebratory meal what's some of the things that you go to oh for me uh, i'd say tuna tartare is, is a big one of mine um oysters that's another big one um definitely like a lot of fish uh, okay if i splurge maybe a nice steak um definitely nothing wrong with some nice thing crust margarita pizza that's probably one of my favorites there we go um, yeah that's without a doubt um but you know, I try to keep it clean and healthy as much as I can. Um, Brian, if you have any other questions uh, to ask David off track, I'm going to pull up the, uh, the the shop right now so we can take a look at the important stuff. Because um, what's happening right now at Fantac is really, really cool. Um, Brian, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be pulling up too. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be uh, David's collection that we're pulling up here. There's all kinds of different merchandise you can get with his logo and design um, that he worked with Fantac on. I mean, there's everything from mouse pads to sweatshirts, T-shirts, hats. You name it, it's there. Uh, the stuff's real high quality. I'm starting to see people post pictures. They're loving this stuff. Um, and, and again, it's helping the rider out, which is what we're here for, um, you know, David, we talk about this all the time um, on this show that, you know, these horses come and, and even the, the big stars are here for maybe two, maybe three years if you're really lucky, um, getting to see them actually compete. And, you know, they come and go. But these riders like you, you're here to stay. You're a star. Like, why doesn't anybody focus on you and who you are? The only time we ever hear from you is right after a race for a little snippet of how the race went. Nobody asked you how you're doing, how your family's doing. <laughs> so we're just trying to highlight the jockeys here. Now, I think it's smart, and, and I think every everyone that's involved is very appreciative of, of you guys taking the leap and, you know, go ahead and doing that for the riders. Even the guys that, that aren't uh, involved in Fantech, I think they're excited for it. And – um, just having more of a spotlight on it. Response yeah. uh, I've I've had from you know a lot of fr friends or even family members or, or fans, whatever it might be, uh, has been tremendous. Uh, uh, you know, outreach to me, um, regardless of how much purchasing is done or, or whatnot. Um, I'm utilizing it. I'm I'm really donating a lot of the the um, anything that I get to retired racehorses or whoever, what they 
person wants to purchase and they want that uh, to be donated to their certain charity, I'll go ahead and do that. So for me, you know, it's not about another source of income. Um, it's just getting it out there for fans and let her, letting everybody enjoy it. It's incredible. Another opportunity to give back. Um, I'm, I don't think anyone out there who's listening uh, or who's watching this probably hasn't seen the name David Cohen on a program somewhere at one of the racetracks you're playing through the years. Um, as we've talked with David, I mean, the people that he's been in rooms with, the horses that he's been on on their backs, um, the experiences that he's had out in the mornings and just traveling all around the world are things that you just you can't recreate. Um, and that's incredible to be able to share some of those stories with you. Anyone out there who would love to support David or who'd love to support any of these fantastic riders, take a look. Right here is the website. You can go to fantac.com. You can check out all the different collections here for David. You have all these different uh, products you can get, the polo shirt, the hoodie, fitted crew, long sleeve stuff, hats. You can show your support for David if you're a big fan of his. Uh, how cool would it be turning for home at Oaklawn and you got a couple people wearing the David Cohen hats there, you know, cheering you home like we would see it at, at any, you know, big stadium or any uh, any big sporting event. David, is there anything else uh, before we let you go that you want to mention or anything else that you have to promote or to plug out there? No, not really. I mean, just touching upon, like you said, you're talking to your viewers, uh, anyone that, that does uh, order anything. Um, you know, reach out to me on my social platforms, send me your order number and, and what charity you want uh, the proceeds to go to on my end. And incredible. that's what we'll do uh, all around win for everybody. That's incredible. David that's just awesome. wants to continue to give back um, because as he mentioned from the very beginning, that's one thing um, that I'm going to take from our conversation with you, David, is that you are very grateful for the opportunities that you've been given in this industry. Um, it, you can tell right away, you feel very blessed and um that you got it luck i think they say the word luck is when uh what when like preparation you know you know meets opportunity meets opportunity right and that's that's what we all have to have sometimes we all need a little bit of luck that just means that we were ready to go when our number got called and uh you were ready to go when your number got called at a very early age well you couldn't have said any better and thank you for having me on guys i appreciate your interest David Cohen here, uh, another fantastic interview for us. Remember, this show, Riders Up, we will be here with you each and every week. Brian Howard, myself, and uh, another fantastic jockey that we're going to get a little bit more information about, as, as Brian perfectly touched. We get just little tidbits of these great riders' lives. They're risking their lives each and every day out there for, uh, you know, for the animals, for our benefit, and for our entertainment. And now we're going to get to find out a little bit more about them, what makes them tick. David Cohen, thank you so much. You have a fantastic week, my friend. Good luck to you, and we're going to see you very soon in the winter circle, I'm sure. Likewise, guys. Yeah, thanks, David. Stay safe, man. David Cohen, great stuff there from him. Make sure to give us a follow on social media, guys, at BTV Bet. Set those notifications. Anytime we have any important information, you'll be alerted right away. And everyone have a great, great day. There are going to be a lot more of these jockey interviews coming up. Make sure you head on over to Fantac, support David, and he will in turn support one of the uh, one of the charities that you ask. So great stuff all around, a, a real team effort here, and hope everyone has a great week. Let's see David uh, picking up some wins real, real soon.